Welcome to the CSI Wake Forest podcast, where I will be examining the counselor student experience from the inside out. My name is Pia von Strasser, and I am a current student in the Wake Forest Counseling Program. My hope is to provide insights about the student experience in this program and explore topics related to what it means to become a counselor. I also hope to shed light on pressing topics that are currently impacting the field of counseling and those who seek services. Thank you for joining me and I hope you find whatever it is you're looking for. Welcome back everyone to the Wake Forest CSI Department of Counseling podcast. I am super excited to have my good friend Kenzie Mick here with me today to discuss school counseling. I'm going to let her introduce herself really quick before we get any deeper into our discussion. So hi, everyone. My name is Kenzie Mick. Um, I am a second year in the Ronaldo campus cohort at Wake Forest. Um, my background is kind of weird, as are a lot of people who go into counseling. Um, I did my undergrad degree in psychology and neuroscience at Denison University, which is in Ohio. Um, and at that time, I was very convinced I was going to be going into research, um, probably like brain research. Uh, <laughs> totally different. Um, sort of turn for me going into counseling. I had an internship in undergrad that sort of inspired my interest in working with people and not lab rats. Um, So that I think was the big switch for me, which was really exciting and fun. Can you tell me a little bit more about that experience? Yeah, so I worked at a um, group home for children uh, for a summer in between my junior and senior years in college. Um, basically, it was a place where children in foster care could come, as well as children who were on the run or moving out or transitioning. So we had people who were coming from the hospital back to home, that kind of thing. Um, There's a ton of different levels of care that were offered there. And I worked with the intake people. So we got a lot of experience working with families as well as the the kids that were coming in, the clients, um, and like a lot of work with law enforcement and people who represented the county and other government districts. So it was very systemic, which I think later impacted my decision to work with um, children in a school setting as well. I was going to say, you tend to be a fan of that systems level work, and now it all makes sense. It's all coming back together. Yep, it all comes back together. So I think that was realizing that I didn't want to work in in a lab setting forever and ever and ever um, and keeping that option open for later, but working really with the people and on the ground kind of deal. Yeah, that makes sense. So what drove you to Wake in particular then? I was drawn to Wake. Originally, I was um, told about the Wake program by one of my uh, mentors from my undergrad who had sort of latched on to the idea that maybe I should work with people. I think she was the first to realize it before me. Um, and she knew a student who had gone through the psychology master's program, so a different branch, but um, still at Wake Forest, who had recommended the counseling program. So I sort of on a whim applied, came down for my interview, and absolutely loved it. It became shot quickly to my top um, top choice. And I was lucky enough to find my find my way in. And so um, it has been a very good decision so far. Wow, just a bunch of random connections there. Yeah, I think Dr. Scholl would call that planned or not unplanned happenstance. <laughs> happenstance theory. <laughs> that happenstance theory. Thanks, Dr. Scholl. <laughs> it all comes together. Mm-hmm. 
Well, speaking of systems level work and school counseling, we both found our way into the WAKE program kind of on a whim, that happenstance theory, and we both ended up choosing the school route, even though we initially planned on being clinical. Um, so I know you're doing the dual license and I'm doing the dual license. So I thought maybe it'd be helpful to talk a little bit about dual licensure and what that means and what your goals are post-graduation. Yeah. So at the WAKE program, there are two tracks. You have the clinical and you have the school. Um, and while you have to select one of those school people, well, everybody, but school people in particular are set up to pursue both, um, the school license, depending on your state as well as like, like a licensed clinical um, standing. So it felt for me kind of like a two for one, <laughs> a little bit of a bargain. Um, and I think I was being pulled in two different directions as well, like clinical and the work of sitting with someone for an extended period of time, very regularly in a routine manner is enticing, but also scares me. Um, I don't know that I have the like skill or focus at this point in my like personal and professional journey to like commit to that, which is totally fine. Um, and I do like the, like you said, the systems and sort of the chaos of working in a, in a system and a school that I feel like I'm really equipped for right now. So being able to go for both and work in both areas, although they're different, but very similar, um, is very enticing. So that's, that's why I did that. Yeah, there's a big distinction between the structure and the organization of clinical and the inherent chaos in the school system. They are just, you know, complete opposites. They are. And um, I think the more I work in a school, the more I see it juxtaposed against each other. But um, both are still very enticing for different reasons. Yeah. How has it been integrating your clinical coursework into the school setting? It can be difficult. Um, it is so dependent on the school that you're at and the age level you're working with and the leadership at your school and within the district, so that system again and all the layers. Um, and so it can be difficult, but I think we are uniquely educated to bring this sort of information up to people who are working in higher levels in the system. So um, it can be challenging, but for anyone who's in the school, like don't let that um, deter you from advocating for evidence-based practice and things that can easily be integrated into the school setting. Yeah, I think at first when you get into the school, it seems like nothing makes sense anymore. But then with a little bit of time and also the help of our amazing faculty, all of a sudden everything we learn kind of comes together just in a new way. So what you would do in 10 weeks in individual clinical counseling, you bring into like one or two sessions in the school, but you're still seeing all of that change. You're still using all of those evidence-based practices. It's just in a different format that fits with that chaos <laughs> and that system. Yes. Yes. Um, having to, I guess, tweak things to make them more functional in a school setting is a skill that you learn pretty quickly after starting any sort of clinical experience in a school. Yeah. It just depends on personality, I think, what setting works best for you. Yeah, and even with um, clinical, I think a lot of people have to learn how to tweak things that we read in textbooks because it's so easy to um, read something that's been watered down to a textbook or an article um, and then having to sit with it in real life is an entirely different experience regardless of which track you pick. 
Um, so just learning about being flexible and being able to adjust those to your clientele or to the system you're in. And I think also being able to adjust it to yourself and who you are and being able to bring in that sense of authenticity into that room, whether it's a school or a private practice or a clinical setting, being able to take those theories, that information, that textbook knowledge, but then also have it come out as you as a person. Finding that counselor identity. It's uh, always a work in process. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of all of these differences between school counseling and clinical counseling in both the training and in the internship experience, I'm wondering how school counseling is for you as an actual internship and practicum student compared to how you thought it was going to be just from your classes and that first fall semester when you're getting acclimated to everything and making that decision about where you want to be? I think first fall semester, I was under the assumption that practicum was going to be crazy difficult. (laughs) I thought it was going to be way overwhelming, um, like way too much responsibility. Maybe you go into your fall classes learning like all the skills and stuff about the the job and the profession and like all these things that are swirling through your head. And then it almost feels like you just like dropped into a school and like do it. The good news was that's not the case. Um, (laughs) A lot of supervisors for practice students are very aware that this is like your first time being given the opportunity to work clinically. So um, I think on that hand, it was really, really, it was, it was refreshing to not be the person I thought I was going to have to be for crack, <laughs> um, which is good because, oof. Um, and then I think on the other hand, it's like a very, um, it's it's a hard transition, again, moving from those textbooks to like working with humans because you can only water down things so much um, in the real world before you realize how complex people are, even if they're teeny tinies, um, or as Dr. Cashel would say, biscuits, taters, you know, the little ones, even if they're tiny, um, there's still a lot going on. And so finding a way to conceptualize the people you're working with, with what sort of background information you've got from your first semester, it's a lot. Um, and so it goes by fast and it it's all at once. But overall, I think a very helpful experience practice. Yeah, just getting dropped straight into that school can be very overwhelming. And I agree with you that I'm really glad that it was, I don't know if I want to say easier. I'm not sure it was easier, but it was less pressure, I guess, than I expected. And I remember having my first session ever and it lasted, I want to say five minutes because I was so nervous. And here I was thinking, okay, I'm going to get my first recording it's going to go so well. And I have this client and he does not want to talk to me. He does not want to be there. And he's like, excuse me, why have you pulled me out of my favorite class? I'm going to go now. And so I remember just being so stressed out and like emailing Dr. Cashwell and being like, oh my gosh, can I turn in a five minute long recording? (laughs) And I was so stressed because we were also in the height of the COVID-19 pandemic and it was so difficult to even get any direct time with clients. And here I am. My first experience is just such a flop. And taking that textbook knowledge, thinking I was going to have this beautiful session, I had planned it out and nothing went how I thought, which I think is something I've gotten used to now and gotten more flexible with. Nothing ever goes 
how you think it's going to go and you can plan, but your plan really should be to plan for nothing because we have no idea what they're going to bring in. And like you said, even these teeny tiny biscuits, these teeny tiny taters, we have no idea what's going on in their world. And they may seem small, but their world is giant. Yeah, they have sometimes different styles of communicating, but they still have those complex things going on. And they are well aware of the world around them, I think, in a way that adults often forget. So that's an important role of being a school counselor is to be the champion of these teeny tiny taters and their knowledge about the world um, and just to be there to hear them because kids are often unheard more often than not in our society. So that's good. And you mentioning um, (laughs) pulling your, your, your client from their favorite class. That reminds me too of, I think the more challenging thing in PRAC is learning the school norms like sitting with clients is one thing. And if you're in a counseling program, you're probably pretty good at talking to people. So it's nerve wracking, but natural. (laughs) But but going back to school, in a way, you still have to learn all the teachers, you have to learn all the admin, you have to learn, you know, what classes are the ones that maybe you shouldn't be pulling people from. So there's an extra level of like, on the job training that you have to do that maybe clinical people aren't experiencing. So, you know, knowing how to how to make friends with um, coworkers and people who are t- in totally different sort of job descriptions than you and how to work within that. That's such a good point. There's so much to learn. I remember going to my practicum and being told, okay, this teacher you can take a student from, this one you can't. Oh, beware of this teacher. Oh, this one's so nice. And like having to take just meticulous notes on like, okay, this is the right teacher. This is a bad teacher. This is a good period. This is not, if this happens, you need to go to this person. If this happens, you need to go to this person. And I was just like, okay, someone stop. I need a flow chart. (laughs) I need to organize all of this information because I don't know what to do. Here's this person. Here's this protocol. Just endless amounts of information that yes, I don't think is like quite as extensive in other settings. And it's definitely overwhelming when you're, you know, going in for the first time, like you said, just being dropped. (laughs) It's like you parachute in and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm here. And what do I do now? And here's all of this information. Someone please help. Yeah, I rarely find myself getting like nervous to talk to a client. Like I'll feel anxious about the, maybe the session but never about the conversation we're having. And then there'll be times when I need to go meet with like an assistant principal or our principal and I'll get the like pre-presentation nerves. I'll find myself like (laughs) my heart will be racing when I sit down to meet with them. And then whatever I say to this like other adult is just like a totally different language. I don't know. (laughs) So there's like an art to learning how to work with all kinds of people, not just your students. That's pretty unique to the school setting. Yeah, because you work with the students, you work with administrators, you work with teachers, and then also you're working with families, you're working with guardians, you're working with outside agencies, you're working with just so many different people. And so you can be really good at talking to your kids, but you also have to be really good at talking to adults and to people who are almost your superiors. And you just have to literally know how to talk to everyone. Yeah. So that's, I think that was the biggest, I think, dive into the deep end for me. It was, you know, there's a learning curve for counseling, but then there's an even bigger learning curve for 
um, communicating with humans as a whole. (laughs) Yes, that is an understatement. So Kenzie, we've touched on just so many points already, but I think one thing really interesting about the two of us coming together to do this is that we've been in all three grade levels. You started last semester with practicum at elementary, I was at middle, and now we're both at high school. So I thought maybe it'd be cool to talk a bit about all of those different experiences. So maybe you want to start a little bit with elementary. Yeah, sure. Um, Elementary is usually K through five. Depends on the school. There's some schools in this district that are a little bit, have a different range, but yeah, usually K through five. Um, My practicum site had pre-K as well. Um, but we didn't work with them as much. Usually in an elementary setting, there's a lot of in-classroom work. It's handy because the students don't move around. So they tend to be in the same place all day, or if they're gone, they're together as a class elsewhere. So that makes um, classroom guidance lessons and programming, um, social-emotional learning, that kind of thing, pretty easy to plan because you can just make a schedule, show up in so-and-so's classroom one day, repeat the lesson sort of over and over. For those who don't know, can you talk a little bit about what classroom guidance and social emotional learning looks like? Yeah, so one of the main goals for school counselors at any level, but um, it really sticks out with the littles, is um, teaching social emotional learning. Um, You can't see me put that in quotes on an audio podcast, but uh, the idea being that Counselors are sort of posed uniquely to guide students in learning about their social needs, their emotional needs, um, anything that kind of comes up with the developmental phases of growth. Uh, There's a lot of different kinds of lessons that you can do with SEL because it's so broad. So for kindergarten, for example, we did some lessons with a storybook about Um, why it's okay to be different, sort of as like an acceptance lesson, a be nice to your neighbor kind of lesson, which might seem very basic. But for someone in a kindergarten classroom, that can be pretty impactful as they continue to grow and develop. For fifth graders, it would be a little different. We would do um, a lesson about anxiety and test anxiety and how do we prepare for those end of grade exams, state standardized tests, classroom tests, exams, that kind of thing. So um, targeting the needs of your students based on developmental range um, and sort of reported issues within the school becomes an important thing, but obviously developing those lessons based on their need and age. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about how you can target these lessons depending on the needs of the school as well, because I think once again, that just ties us back to that system level work. We're there with the kids, but we're also trying to help create a school culture, a school climate, We're working with the teachers listening. What do you see as a need in your students? We're working with the administrators. What do you see as a need? We're working with parents. What do you see as a need? And trying to take all of that information back in and then put it back out to the students in a way that they can understand and in a way that's really helpful to them. Yeah, and a lot of this seems, like I said, kind of silly or or something that would be like, duh, of course we're going to teach our students to work well with others and communicate and that kind of thing. But your topic about you know, system, system-wide change um, reminded me of an article that Dr. Caceres had us read over the summer about um, school belongingness and how impactful it can be for a student to feel like they have a place or a role 
um, within a school setting. And so these kind of lessons where we emphasize um, helping each other and knowing knowing yourself and what your needs are can help build the foundation for students feeling like they belong at school, which over the long term impacts their ability to stay in school as they graduate, seek further ed- like future education, higher ed. Um, like reduces absenteeism, behavioral issues, all kinds of stuff. So the role of the school counselor, though it seems simple, cannot be discounted. Yeah, that's really true. When you talk especially about students and how they identify with their school, um, jumping forward a little bit to high school and some of these impacts that we've seen with COVID, I was in 10th grade classrooms giving presentations with my supervisor a couple of weeks ago. And at the end, one of the questions that we asked was, how connected do you feel to your school? And almost everyone said, not at all. And if you think about it, these students spent their freshman year online, and then they come back as 10th graders, and they don't have a community yet, and they only have three more years left. And, you know, you see that this pandemic has really interrupted that school identity and that school culture and how connected students feel. And it's leading to a whole host of problems. Like you talk about with absenteeism and dropout rates and things like that. And we're having so many more students who are struggling to motivate themselves to come back to school. So many students that we're having to transfer to schools that have less units that they can graduate. Um, the amount of accommodations that we're making just to try to get people connected and try to get people back on track are just crazy. So pre-pandemic, I guess you weren't in elementary pre-pandemic, but some of the stuff that you're talking about is almost that prevention level work, which is yet another aspect of what we're doing as school counselors. So it is really important to be doing these things that maybe seem kind of basic because although they do seem basic, the effects of them are just so wide-reaching. Yeah, I completely agree. The I know we are planning on talking about COVID more in depth, but we're seeing sort of a similar thing, different side of the coast of this country, but a similar sort of concern with students in our district. They, the juniors especially, you talked about, you know, your, your incoming freshmen that year, but the people who were sophomores at the time or the time they went, you know, online they only had half of a freshman year because it went online sort of halfway through the year then they had no sophomore year entirely online now they're back as juniors and their last memory of being a high schooler was when they were like 13 which is an entirely different different developmental sort of time of their lives than when they're 16 or 17 so like a lot of identity challenges have been presenting themselves um, and issues of like just a lot of anger about missing out on being a teenager. Yeah. It's like you put them into this time capsule and you're like here, and then you jump them to a whole new area. But in a lot of ways, they're developmentally and emotionally stuck, but being expected to perform at a whole different level. And that just poses so many different challenges emotionally, academically, you know, in every aspect of their life. Um, in our district, during the virtual year, last school year, uh, our students were given Wednesdays off. So they didn't have to be in any class, even though it was virtual, on Wednesdays, which gave them a lot of opportunity to catch up on stuff. And then during the second half of the year, when this district started to sort of tease a reopening, they were having students come in only certain days. And on those days, they were doing 
class periods that were 45 minutes long and then giving them the other 45 minutes of what would have normally been a 90 minute block day to catch up on work or do homework that had been assigned in class. So the students really got used to this more supportive method of teaching, um, more lenient, more, you know, less stress, less having to do at home. And then our district did sort of like a hard reopen. We're all back. The world's back this year. Um, And that meant five full days of school on a regular schedule. And the push has really been to get the academic train running again, because a lot of test scores dropped in this district. There's been concern about like like retention of learning um, and how much our students have actually kept for the last year and a half, which is a fair concern. But we've also sort of lost this um, sense of like mental wellness and self self care for the students. So that's been, I think, the biggest challenge now in a high school is working with students who are, you know, late teenagehood, who are stressed to the max, trying to do academics, trying to do after school stuff to bolster their resumes for the college application season, um, which is normally a stressful experience. I remember going through it myself. It's a lot. Um, But they're doing it now, having had almost two years of an entirely different structure and routine. So I think for us, that's been our biggest challenge with high school counseling is trying to address those varied needs of students post-COVID that have been uniquely created by the virus. That's such a good point. That kind of idea of zero to 100, really. We have a lot of students who are coming in right now at the high school level too, saying, you know, I need extra time. I need more check-ins from my teachers. I'm not understanding anything anymore. And while they might be happy to be back with their friends, there's a huge struggle between the way that information was presented in that format and the way that they're learning now. And so navigating that with the high schoolers really has been a big thing. And also, like you talked about with extracurriculars and preparing for college, not only is that just a stressful time in general, but also students are having major concerns about this like year and a half to two year gap in their resumes, with their experiences, with their sports, all these things that they had to miss out on. And college reps will come in and they'll say things like, oh, there's a section on your application where you can explain. And like, we know that COVID happened, but we still don't really know unless you tell us. So then there's this whole pressure to now write this additional statement about how COVID impacted your life And that just brings on, you know, so many feelings and so many emotions and having to write that in itself has been very overwhelming for students too. So it is really interesting how this kind of stopping the students in that path and then almost inserting them two years later and expecting them to be functioning at a level that they're just not at and that expecting them to function with less support than they need is just creating a lot of, I don't know, barriers, difficulties. I'm not sure the correct word, but I find that as counselors, in some ways, we're just a source of stability right now. And we're we're being that stable place for them as all these other things are just crashing in on them. And so we're offering that space, we're offering that safety, we're offering that stability and it's just very important for the students right now to have us. 
Yeah, I resonate with your your holding space idea because even as a counselor, it feels extremely overwhelming to try to tackle any of these issues, um, even the ones we can tackle, which is not that many out of all you know the whole the whole pile that are coming in now. So I think yeah, holding the space and being just like someone that you can that the students can come to to help sort through the mess. Like, let's lay it all out. Let's figure out what's going to, what's going to work, what's not going to work. And then let's make a plan to help you like move forward because the world paused for a little bit. <laughs> and then we have push play again without really taking inventory about what had happened. Yeah. It's almost this notion of let's forget the pause happened and let's just keep moving forward. Um, but in doing that, we're neglecting what was like a two-year pause and so much happened in those two years, not just academically and personal lives and people lost family members, close friends. Um, people had other personal impacts from isolation, being at home. People lost friendships because they couldn't maintain them. There were just so many interpersonal changes in addition to academic changes and expecting the students to just go back to normal is expecting them to forget all of that. And it's just not possible. And like you said, there's so much that we can't fix right now. And I think that also is really important when talking about K through 12, because at this age, so much is out of our students' control. And so when we work with them, it's really important to kind of look at what can you control and what can you not control. And then with that stuff that what we cannot control, how do we kind of accept that, work through that, continue on with our lives, knowing that we can't control that. And I think right now in this time, that's even harder because there's like a million more things that are out of control. And like you said, the school system in itself is inherently chaotic, but we're also now just living in what seems like chaos in general, not just in the system. So how do we walk through that when there's a lot we can't fix and a lot we can't control. And really right now, like I said, it's holding that space, making a safe spot, making stability in an otherwise very unstable world climate. Yeah. I've been reading Choice Theory by um, Glasser recently because I decided it was time in my career to start actually reading the literature um, outside of textbooks. So it's fun. Um, but that... That has been a very helpful framework for me, working with students, trying to isolate what they they can control and what things um, what things can be changed so that they um, can start to move forward. Dr. Cashwell said something the other day about um, when the problem is presented to you from a client, uh, the first like greatest thing that would be able to happen is to solve the problem. But when we are presented with a problem that is not solvable, then it's about finding those things that you um, can change to get around the problem. And I think that comes out a lot in school counseling because uh, when you're a minor, you don't have a lot of control over stuff legally in your life. Um, you probably are still living in a setting with many, many people. You might not have a car. Um, so like a lot of things that adults take for granted are not existent for teenagers. And so finding finding those little things to change that can kind of skirt around the problem until a more permanent solution can be found. 
Those are such wise words from Dr. Cashwell. I miss my supervision sessions with her. Shout out to you, Dr. Cashwell. I wish I still had your wisdom to guide me. (laughs) But choice theory, I think, is a super great theory when working with students. Um, One that's sometimes a little bit under-recognized. I think people first turn to solution-focused and brief counseling. But that idea of what can we control and what can we not is just like paramount in this work, really. Well, on that soapbox about control, is there anything else you wanted to add about working with students at the elementary level? Um, I think the one biggest takeaway for me is that elementary is a great place to be if you love being in a classroom with students. I found that it is not my strong suit. (laughs) I I was often told by my littles that I am very boring, (laughs) which is totally fair feedback. Love to hear it. Um, So I think that has solidified my passion with working with older students. But there is such an important role to be had in elementary schools where you can be lively and bubbly and do fun arts and crafts and still find a way to um, like make positive change in your school um, as a whole, the, the whole system, the students, everybody. So it's an important role. So if you're into, you know, arts and crafts and storybooks and all kinds of fun stuff, then do find your way to an elementary school. Yeah. So on that note, I'm wondering if you found yourself incorporating a lot of those play therapy-ish type techniques with your kids, maybe some arts and crafts, some bibliotherapy with those books, anything like that. Yeah, so with my students, I did a lot of drawing because uh, pencils can be very easily sanitized. This is like a product of the COVID world. Um, Finding ways around a virus is pretty tricky. Uh, So a lot of coloring, a lot of prompts based on like, could you draw this? You know, tell me about this using colors. Um, That kind of thing sort of focus in what we were talking about. As a group, we did a couple of drawing projects, like specifically with emotions um, and like what color would you say happy is, just some like that kind of thing, some thoughts. And then because a lot of our students were blended at the time, um, or doing like some online, some in person, we had to find things that we could project over Zoom. So had to get a little creative. We did a lot of YouTube videos, um, clips from movies. Inside Out was a fave. Uh, it's a great movie. <laughs> it's a great movie for kids too. And we had used those characters to make printouts to put in the school. So a good way to connect our lessons to like the school setting. Um, and if we did use books, I did usually find YouTube recordings of someone reading those books so that I could project it both to the class that was physically there and the students who were online for Zoom. In a perfect world, um, I would definitely use more mindfulness and yoga with my kids. I have a couple favorite YouTube pages for mindful practice for littles, like little littles, which is great. There's one meditation about like has the kids picturing their brain as a pond and the, and your emotions are just fish in the pond and you don't have to be the fish because you're the pond. So sometimes it's just noticing that maybe your pond has a lot of angry fish today. And like sometimes I need to be reminded that I'm a pond, I'm not a fish. So those kind of things would be really awesome to have more time to do um, or ability to get people together to like actually practice the mindfulness. Uh, so in, in a perfect world, definitely more of that um, and more physical activity would have had kids doing like some dance, some movement. Um, but that was not the world I was given at the time. So maybe I'll save those for later. 
Well, it sounds like you were very flexible and very creative in your work with these kiddos, which I think speaks to just, again, the nature of school counseling. And I would also like to say that as an internship or a practicum student, really, there's so many things that we want to do that we just don't quite have the ability to do in our role. So it is important to keep those little nuggets of information in the back of our minds for later, because eventually when we are employed and having full responsibility, there is going to be a lot more flexibility with our abilities to do some of these things like group mindfulness and other activities that maybe we can't necessarily do as an internship student.